Well, it is my privilege this morning to uh, introduce to you who's going to be bringing the word for today. That's right, uh, my lovely wife, the mama of the house, Miss Jamie McCain. stretch your hands out towards her. I'm going to pray over. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for Miss Jamie McCain, for the love of my life. Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, that she walks now in the authority, Lord God, that we possess as one couple, Lord God. Your word says the two become one flesh. And so, Lord, as she stands, Lord God, here in the glory of the Lord, in the preparation that she and uh, Mimi and myself put forward for this message, Lord, I think it's going to change all of us. Speak into our deep into our souls, oh God. Use the words that she brings forth out of the Holy Scriptures, Lord God, to ignite things that have become dead. Lord God, to show forth truth where we have bought into some lies and some misunderstandings. And so, Lord, I bless her now as she brings forth truth to us in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. Thank you. Good morning. It is so wonderful to see you this morning. I'm going to get... All my notes, I'm old school, I still put things on paper. Is anybody else a paper person out there? That's me, I still like to have paper. But, but I, ha I have to tell you, when I go to prepare, it get, I get this like research paper PTSD. Anybody else not enjoy research papers? I was a math person all day long, and so the minute that Word doc starts to open, I start to go, oh, I'm going to get a bad grade on it or something. So, uh, But it is so wonderful to see you this morning. It's been a wonderful weekend. Uh, as we said earlier, you saw some of the recap from the women's event, some of the moms we had there at Joy, and I was so excited about that. So it's good to be here this morning on Mother's Day. It's, it's uh, when people ask what it's like to be a pastor's wife, it really, the best way I can describe it is it's like being a mom of a church because that's how much love a pastor's wife has for the church body, for the amazing people, for you that, get, that come. We're so grateful. Uh, and then every once in a while, we want to do this and like get a smudge off too, right? And so I walk into a room. I'm so glad to see you. Has anybody fixed that over there? So uh, PA had to tell me, stop thinking about the details and just, just focus this morning, which the older I get, focusing is getting harder and harder. Is there anybody else? Yes, thank you. So, uh, but we had such a blast a number of weeks ago. We really felt in our heart that this week, Women's Week, the theme should be joy. And we've just seen God kind of just kind of show up in so many ways. Uh, and one of the greatest joys that can happen is when a baby is born. And here at Hill City, our online campus pastors had their baby. Yes, Sean and Esme Bates. And they said I couldn't tell y'all, welcomed Aaliyah and Bates to the world on Friday. I know. I asked him this week, I said, can you go ahead and have her? Because my sermon will be amazing if Aaliyah comes. Because there's no greater joy than a precious baby. We're so excited for, for us to get together to welcome online campus. Y'all have shown so much love to the Bates, and we appreciate that so much. Um, I think about a lot of things that make me happy coffee, um, plants, my kids, my home, my husband, my husband, I was saying, I was saving the best for last. More coffee. My, 
my puppy dog, my husband, more coffee. No, I'm kidding. But I think about things that make me happy, but sometimes that happiness is fleeting and it goes away when we have tragedy or when things happen. So happiness can come and go, but the Lord offers us something else. He offers us joy and that joy can be there even when happiness may come and go because we can get so bogged down. Our mind can become so consumed with the problems and the things that we have. Many times we can experience a deep sadness and we can think there's no way that joy can be anywhere to be found. But this morning, I just want to encourage you that there is joy no matter the bank balance. There's joy available no matter what the scale says, right? There's joy available no matter how many wrinkles we see. There's joy available even when we feel like the world is against us, that the Lord offers joy. It's offered to you today. It's interesting when I started this journey and this discussion, I kind of thought of joy kind of like icing, kind of like upgrades when you buy a car. In Louisiana, we call it lanyap. Lanyap is that little extra. Lanyap's when you go to Krispy Kreme and they give you 13 donuts instead of 12. Do you ever open the box hoping they've slipped you that extra donut, right? It's the greatest moment ever. Um, but that's that extra. And so I really came into this thinking, joy is this extra thing we can have as a believer. The, the foundations we have are salvation and the principles of the word. But as I begin to study, I begin to discover joy is not an extra. It's a, it's a requirement. It's a standard. It's, it comes with salvation. We don't always receive it. We don't always live it. We don't always walk in it. But it's, it's part of the life of a believer, or at least it should be. That's the joy that the Lord is offering today. When I think about joy, I think about an amazing lady that I began studying very early in life, and her name was Elizabeth Elliot. Elizabeth Elliot was a Bible school student who wanted to do great things for God. And, and like all Bible schools, many Bible school students hope she met the man of her dreams at Bible college. Come on, Bible school students. That's what we hope for, right? And, and they met, and she said, this is it. We're in love. And he said, you're the one, but God hasn't released me to marry you yet. Womp, womp. That's sad. For six years, he said, you're the one, but I'm not released to marry you yet. Six years, she wrote an incredible book called Passion and Purity about being passionately in love with someone and yet not able, but yet walking in purity in that moment. After six years of dating, they both went to Ecuador and they began to be missionaries in an unreached people group. They got married within a year or so. They had a baby. And just three years into their time together, three years after six years of dating, he and four other missionaries were massacred by the Indians that they were reaching. And so now she finds herself a single mom in another country where she, bare, where, where she doesn't know the language. She's learning the language to begin to share the gospel. But instead of going home and saying, ministry didn't deliver what I thought it was going to be. I signed up for this because I thought I was going to have all these wonderful things, and then they didn't turn out. No, instead she stayed there as a single mom and continued to share the gospel with the same people that massacred her husband. In fact, we have a picture of her working with and interacting with the same tribe, the same group of people that killed her husband. Shortly after she was there for about uh, six years, she came home and God brought another man into her life, a college Bible professor. Surely everything was going to be wonderful from this point on. 
They were married for only four years, and he died as well. And I think about, wow, the fact that she continued to serve the Lord was amazing. But not only did she do that, she continued to serve the Lord with joy. She went on to continue being a Bible professor and even was a contributor to the NIV Study Bible. At the end of her life, she started a radio broadcast called what? Gateway to Joy. Can you imagine the tragedy that this person had been through and yet to continue to identify with joy really touched my heart. She said this, among the most joyful people I have known have been some who seem to have no human reason for joy. The sweet fragrance of Christ has shone through their lives. That's biblical joy. Not joy because everything is going well and they're in that high, everything looks perfect, but joy because everything is not going well. That's that mature joy that says it doesn't matter what the storm and the circumstances are. Something inside of me knows that God is still good. Amen? I like to say it this way. Joy is not the absence of pain. It's the deep-seated knowing, a settled assurance that God is present through it all. He's there, and he's good. And when we get to that place in our walk that in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the loss, there senses a seed of joy. Charlene Montagugo, who is our, our small group admin here on staff, shared at the women's event when she and Jay lost their daughter, who was born prematurely. And in that moment, to feel that extreme sadness. But the Lord began to plant the tiniest seeds of joy in her heart. She looked over and she saw her daughters, her two daughters that she had, and the daughters were, were smiling and loving each other. And she said, Lord, thank you for the joy that you're planting, as small as it may feel right now, but the joy that you're planting in our heart. Our, our key scripture today is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Maybe you've heard it before. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in a place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't be weary and give up. No matter what you face today, no matter what you're going to face tomorrow, there is a prize waiting for believers on the other side of eternity. And, when, and there is a calling on your life. God has a plan and a purpose. And if we lay down and die today, if we quit and give up, we don't fulfill those things that God has for us. The irony that the, that the word says, Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. To see the cross and see the joy through the cross. That's what the Lord did. And that's what he can give. That's the joy he offers today. When I think about the cloud of witnesses that, that, that Hebrews is referring to, that Paul is referring to, I think about King David. I think about all the psalms that he wrote, 150 psalms that we have recorded. And so many of, us, of them say, I rejoice in the Lord. I have joy in the Lord. He was writing this as his king was trying to hunt him down and kill him. 
I'm not talking about a boss that gives you a bad review. I'm literally talking about someone trying to kill you on a daily basis. And in that moment, he just says, I have joy, joy despite the circumstances. I think about Hannah in the book of Samuel, in 1 Samuel. Hannah wants a child so badly that she's crying out to the Lord. She's crying out to the Lord so deeply that she's even misunderstood. Her pain is misunderstood in that moment. But the Lord hears her heart and answers her prayer and gives her a son. She, she raises that son for three years, and then she gives him back to the Lord. She brings her three-year-old to the temple and dedicates him to the Lord. Can I tell you, if you have a three-year-old that's driving you crazy, please don't bring him to church and leave him here. Like, we watch your kids for an hour and a half. We love them dearly. But please don't leave them. That would not be okay. <laughs> kidding. But um, not kidding. Uh, but Hannah, her heart cry was, Lord, I just want to be a mom. I just want to have a baby. I want to have a son or I want to have a child. The Lord gives her that child. She gives it back to him. Now, I'm sorry. How many moms have dropped their kid off for kindergarten the first day? I'm a wreck, y'all. I'm a wreck every time I drop them off. They're like, Mom, I'm a junior. Leave me alone. And I'm like, I miss you. I love you. They're like, Mom, go away. Hannah takes her three-year-old and drops him off, gives him to the Lord. And this is what she says. My heart rejoices in the Lord. How can someone find the joy of the Lord when everything seems to be going wrong? That's a joy that's offered from heaven. Paul, when we hear about Paul, I think of him as being really grumpy. I think of him as being a little bit cocky. He says things like, I wish you were as good as me. Like, I wish you prayed as much as me. I wish you were as great as me. He seems like kind of a cocky guy, I don't know, when I read. And yet Paul was the writer of Philippians. They call Philippians the happiest book of the Bible because it talks all about joy. It talks all about rejoicing. Does anybody know where Paul was when he wrote Philippians? He was in prison. He was in prison. His, this man who's called to spread the gospel to the known world is sitting in prison, unable to go anywhere. He couldn't live stream. He had no way to get that word out that God had called him to do. His purpose might have seemed to be completely withheld and stopped in this moment of his life. And yet, he writes a whole book to the Philippians about joy and rejoicing. Because that joy was not based on external circumstances. That's the cloud of witnesses that we're surrounded by in Hebrews. That's the people that are cheering you on. That believe in you, that believe that circumstances do not have to dictate God's purposes in your life. It, these are the great cloud of witnesses that we're, that we're surrounded by, which is so incredible. Joy is not necessarily an outward expression. Uh, some of the ladies shared on Friday night that they're more quiet as they have joy deep in their hearts. Others said, you know what? I love to be demonstrative. I love to express my joy. Don't judge my joy either way. Joy is not able to be measured by external circumstances. One person said it this way, biblical joy is choosing to respond to external circumstances with inner commitment and satisfaction because we know that God will use these experiences to accomplish his work in 
and through our lives. We, were, um, we grew up in South Louisiana. We're from Baton Rouge. And if you're in Baton Rouge, you either know everybody or you're related to everybody. It just was family. Even though it was a big city, you felt like family everywhere you went. And the Lord just flipped our worlds and over a short period of time sent us to Dallas. And I remember driving to Dallas, and we came over that hill on I-20 and 408. And if you're from Louisiana, everything's flat. So that was a mountain to me. I'd never come over. I came over that mountain. We were headed to Arlington to find a house. And we came over, and we saw this city. And I thought, I don't know anyone here. And everyone I know and love is back there in Louisiana. And I felt such a deep sadness to leave and to grieve what we had had and what, was, what God had done in that place. And yet somewhere deep inside, I said, Lord, but I will hope and trust in you because I don't know how these external circumstances are going to work out, but I'm going to have an inner belief and an inner contentment to know you've got it all under control. Amen. The, the Lord does not say, yeah, you can give him a hand for that. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord does not expect us to be anything more than exactly what we're able to bring in that moment. But what he does expect us to do is open our hearts and be willing for him to plant those seeds of joy in us that begin to grow and begin to cultivate. I love that because when I think of the word cultivate, I think of a garden. Okay, y'all, so I've decided to try to have a garden this year. I, I think if we have to eat what I'm going to grow, we're going to get skinnier. So maybe it's a good plan. I don't know. But there's an amazing uh, man in the church that said, you know what, I'm going to help you. So he came over and he was like, this is not a good, we got to work on this. So he found the one spot in our whole yard that might be able to grow something. And he began to help me know how we can break up the ground, how we can till it, how we can fertilize it, and how we can plant things. And I don't know if it's going to grow or not, and I don't know if things are going to come and eat my tomatoes and all that kind of stuff, but there's something so exciting about going out every day. Have you ever gone out and there's a little green tomato on there? And I'm like, any bug that tries to eat my tomato, we got a problem. So now every bird in the yard, I'm like, get away, leave my tomatoes alone. But, but it's so fascinating to watch this garden grow because what was ugly, nasty dirt now has green now has flowers, now is starting to show fruit. And maybe, just maybe, if the Texas sun doesn't kill everything, we'll be able to have that fruit, and that fruit will produce seed that we can plant into the soil and produce more fruit. Because the neat thing about joy is when you plant joy in your life, it produces a life of victory. It produces that life of contentment. And when you walk in victory, guess what you get to do? You get to plant joy in other people's lives. You get to say, listen, you're not the only one that's gone through things. I've been through things. But I, let me plant some joy in you right now. It doesn't seem like you have a lot of joy now. Let me plant some joy in you. And the Lord can use us to plant joy. Funny story, last year we have goats at our house. Yes, we live in a farm in the middle of the city. And my husband loves our farm, don't you, honey? He hates it. Hates it. He loves his wife. Okay, funny story, because I don't preach as long as he does, so I can tell an extra story. We have a huge dog. He's a puppy, and he's 100 pounds, and I love him. I wanted to bring him this morning because he brings me joy, but I knew P.A. would kill me. And so I come around the corner the other day, and P.A. is around the corner of the house, and so is the dog. He doesn't know I can hear him. And he says to me, I hear him say to the dog, you know I don't like you, right? 
And the dog's just looking at him like, do you have a treat? That's all I want to know. Do you have a treat? He said, you know, I don't like you. He said, but you know I love her. So I guess we got to figure this thing out. It was so cute. Thank you. He's the best, isn't he? And my dog's the best, too. He has his own Instagram, by the way. So, But there is something about cultivating joy. So I don't know where you are today in the process. You may say, my life feels like barren land. I have nothing. It looks, it has no green. It has no life. But that's okay, because that's exactly the place that God can plant joy in your heart today. Or maybe you've planted some joy, but now we've got to cultivate it. And I want to talk about how we do that. How do we cultivate joy in our lives? Because can everybody admit we need to cultivate a little more joy? I know I do. I've been, I've been um, studying and thinking about this for weeks and still like five or ten times a day, I have to be like, cultivate joy, Jamie, cultivate joy. Don't let that get you down. Don't, don't let that steal your joy away. The first thing we have to do is we have to submit our lives to the Lord. Because I have news for you today. Joy is not an option. Joy is not if you decide you want to have joy. Okay, Lord, I'll do what you say. I'll stay in this marriage, but I'm not going to like it. That's not an option. Okay, Lord, I'll stay at this job. I guess so. I went to the encounter, and the prophet said, God has me where he wants me, but I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm not going to have a good time. Many times we have to make a choice to submit to God's will and submit and yield to what he has for us. We have to take that hard ground of our heart, and we have to break it up and say, Lord, I don't even have the strength to do this, but I want to submit to you. I want to plant joy in my heart today, Lord, I ask. Do you know that song that we sing, the blessing song, right? And your children, and your children, and your children. I'm like, my Lord, that's a lot of kids. And your children. And we sing that song, right? And when I first heard it, it was really aggravating, I have to be honest. But as I begin to read in Deuteronomy 28, the blessings of God that come from obedience, the blessings of God that come from obedience. But boy, if you're really brave, read the second half. Because the opposite is what happens with disobedience. It's not very pretty, right? But I read this and I thought, well, Lord, I'm obedient. I do what, I do what, I do what you say. I do my best to show honor where I'm supposed to. I do my best to, to follow your laws and your rules. But I read in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 47, there's an addendum that I'd never seen before. It says, if you obey with joy. Okay, no, wait, I have to obey and have joy? Yes, yes. Because when we obey with joy, we're acknowledging, I don't really know what's going on here, Lord. You are God. You are sovereign. You are bigger. You are God. I am not. And I will submit my life to you even when I don't understand. I will submit to your will and your ways even when I don't understand. That's in the New Testament as well, though. It's not just an Old Testament concept. Romans 12, 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. What kind of attitude do we have if we truly believe it all works out? Well, as a believer, do we not believe it all works out? What kind of picture are we showing to someone who doesn't follow Christ if we don't show them that we believe it all works out? It all works out, guys. 
The Bible says our, lo- our light and monetary, our light and momentary affliction is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. You can't even begin to understand how much it works out. It comes in trusting the Lord and submitting to his will. I was listening to uh, one of our precious ladies. Her name is Miracle, and Miracle lost her dad a few years ago. And if you had a chance to know Miracle's dad, he was an amazing man of God. And she really went into a dark place in that moment, just became very, very depressed, very down. And I said, Miracle, what happened? She said, somebody came up to me and said, it's time to make a choice. It's time to be that person that you know your dad believed you could be. And she said, I made a choice that day. She said, I still miss him every day. I still, I still grieve over him, but there's something deep inside of me. And she began to walk forward in what God had for her and see God begin to do more and more in her life. Many times, one of the biggest places we refuse to submit our will and let God give us joy is when it comes to forgiveness. It's one of the hardest things. Many times when we've been done wrong, it's the one thing we feel like we can still hold on to. Things may have been done to me, but I'm not letting go of this. I'm going to hold on to it because somehow we feel like we're going to stick it to somebody if we don't let them see that we have joy or see that we've gotten any better. And I was reading about a lady. Her name is Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom was a single lady who, in her, as she approached 50 and was living at home with her dad in Holland when um, Adolf Hitler took over and someone knocked on her door And they said, I'm a Jew. Could you keep me safe? And for the next two years, her elderly dad, her older sister, and Corey began to save almost 600 people in their little house. Um, About two years into it, the neighbor turned them in. The SS showed up. They arrested Corey, her sister, and her dad while six people were still hiding inside. And so they were put into concentration camps. Her dad died within 10 days. Her sister died within the year. And Corey was released on a bookkeeping error. She was slated to go to the gas chambers, and there was a mistake made. How do many of you know God loves it when mistakes get made? Amen? And she was released. She didn't flee and go away. In fact, she went right back to Holland to begin to help refugees and survivors and begin to try to rebuild her life. Um, it, in the next, within two years of that, she was preaching all over Germany in the churches, and she began to preach about the love of God. And after she was finished, walking down the aisle comes one of the soldiers that had mistreated her. In fact, he, she says in her book, it was one of the cruelest soldiers. The man walks down and says, Fraulein, I'm so glad to hear that you're talking about forgiveness. I've since given my heart to the Lord, and I was wondering if you would forgive me as well, because you've said now that the Lord has forgiven me, and I believe he has. Will you forgive me? And she says in that moment, I don't want to forgive this person. This person was one of the people that was so cruel to me. And yet, Lord, she's having this argument with the Lord, I know you've commanded me to forgive. She said, I have no warmth in my heart. I have no love in my heart for this person. She said, but what I can do in obedience is simply hold out my hand. She said, it's all I had the strength to do. And I held out my hand and with no emotion and feeling said, I forgive you. As he reached out and grabbed their hand, the love of God and the power of God hit in that moment. And she said, I became so overwhelmed with a love for a person that had been my enemy. That God began to do something supernatural there in that moment. 
But she had to make a choice to submit her will to let God begin the healing process. And so maybe today, part of the reason that joy is not flourishing in your life is because you're holding back something. There, don't finish this day without letting something go, without breaking open that hard ground, amen? And let the Lord plant inside of you, amen. The second thing we need to do is we need to fuel our life with the word. The commandments of the Lord, Psalms 19 says, are right, bringing joy to the heart. What a dichotomy that obedience to the word brings joy. We always think that rules bring, bring restrictions. Typically, we say we, we want to cast off restraint, but it brings joy, the Bible says. Uh, one of the precious ladies in our church recently has been going through uh, fighting cancer. And she shared with me a document, a seven-page document that she read every single morning. She just began to read the word. It was seven pages of the word. And she planted her name in that word. And she began to speak that word over herself. One of the scriptures she quoted was 2 Chronicles 20:17. I don't need to fight this battle. Rather, I will station myself, stand on the word, and see the salvation of the Lord on my behalf today. I will not fear or be dismayed as I go out to face anything, for the Lord is with me. I was so encouraged. And she daily stayed in that word until the doctor said, guess what? There's no more cancer. Amen? And she saw victory on that side. Why do we think that we can go through life without nourishing in the word? How can anything grow without nourishment? Nothing can grow. It must be nourished. And we, it's, I love reading assessments. I love reading self-help books. I love all those things. But nothing replaces the Word of God. Nothing replaces the power of the Word of God. The third thing that we need to do is we need to reflect with gratefulness. I love how Angie said that earlier, that, that we, we look back. It was such a command to look back. In biblical culture, there were seven festivals, many of them lasting a week or longer. And the whole goal of the festival was to thank God and rejoice and, to, and praise for what he had done. Literally, the agenda on those festivals would be shout, rejoice, praise. What would our lives be like if we set a timer and once a day we're like, Lord, I'm just going to thank you. I'm just going to express joy as obnoxious as it feels and may as awkward as it may feel in this moment. I'm just going to express joy to you right now. Because when we do not have a heart of gratefulness, we're really, we're really going to be lacking in joy. Joy and gratefulness go hand in hand. When someone is grateful for a gift, don't you just want to give them more? When someone's not grateful, don't you not want to give them anything else? Well, fine, if you're not going to be grateful for it. It's so important that we show that heart of gratefulness to the Lord for all that he's done. It's a trap of the enemy to think that we in our own strength have accomplished the things that we've done in our lives. Because the strength we have came from the Lord. Everything we have comes from him. Our ability, our gifting, wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves comes from him. That's why when we sing, look what the Lord has done, we sang that Friday night, and uh, we got a video of it. The whole place was going crazy. Why? Because we're thinking about what God's done in our lives. We can think about what the enemy tried to do, but so much more. We have to focus on what God's done. And finally, we fix our eyes on Jesus. That's what Hebrews says. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiated and perfected our faith. It says that Abraham wasn't, was looking forward to a promise. 
that throughout the Bible, the, the heroes of the faith, they look forward to things they, may, they knew they might never see. We have to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he looked at the cross and he saw joy. When you look at your problems, do you see joy? Do you see problems? We get to make that choice to see joy today in those moments. You know, I think about in Mother's Day, to me, there's no per more perfect example than childbirth. Um, it, was, it was interesting when Sean and Esme texted us that they were having a baby. Everybody got so excited. It almost seems like ironic, right? Esme's about to go through pain. Yay! And we all got so excited. Esme's not going to sleep all night. Yay! Why do we get excited? Because we know the joy. We know the joy. Why does a mom have more kids after one? Because she knows the joy set before her. And First Peter even says that when a woman is in labor, she has pain. But when she gives birth, she no longer remembers the anguish. Therefore, you have grief right now, but I'll see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one will take that joy away from you. Don't let circumstances, don't let anything steal the joy that God's given you. We have that choice to take it, plant it, and let God cultivate it in our lives. But the one key to having joy comes with a commitment to Christ. It sounds cliche, but the world cannot offer what the Lord offers. And so when we have said no to the Lord, we're saying no to that eternal joy. We're saying no to the things that he offers. And you're leaving that void in your heart. In the book of Nehemiah, um, the, the children of Israel were allowed to return, and they built the wall, and they got it all ready, and they thought that just simply walking into their city now would make everything okay. Sometimes we think just coming to church or just getting around Christians, and all of a sudden everything's okay. But what the Israelites realized is they had lost their relationship with their God. They had lost the laws. They had lost that obedience. So as Nehemiah began to read the things that they were going to do, they actually began to weep because they realized how far away from we are, they were from the Lord. It's not a bad thing when we realize how far we need to go. Because in that moment, we can say, Lord, I need your strength. And guess what Nehemiah said would be their strength? The joy of the Lord would be their strength. The joy of the Lord is the strength you need to make it through whatever you're facing today. Joy is available when we say, Lord, I commit my life to you. I submit to your will. I don't understand, don't like it, but I'm going to live with joy. I'm going to choose joy in this situation, and I'm going to praise because of who he is, not because of what I see in these circumstances. Amen? I'm going to begin to remember the things he's done and how good he is. I'm going to stay in his word, and I'm going to begin to cultivate that, and then I'm going to look forward to what he has ahead. Amen? Would you stand with me today? Hey everybody, wasn't that a great message? I know that as we speak, your life is being changed by the word of the Lord. Maybe leads out of this is how authentic we are. Like what you see is what you get. We don't pretend to be something we're not. Ask the Lord how you can apply it to your life today and this week. And maybe there's something that he's asking you to change or do differently in your life. So let's not let this be something that we just watch and then walk away like nothing happened. We're so grateful to be able to hear the word of the Lord. You weren't here in person today, but you're here with us online and that matters. 
And if you made a decision for Christ today, we want to know. We want to know how to come alongside you and how to support you and how we can best pray for you. So please, if you did make that decision for Christ today, text the word DECIDED to 469-606-2684. We can't wait to see you back next week, same time, same place. Share these posts with your friends. Share it on your social media. Blast it out there. Don't be greedy and keep it to yourself. We love you and we'll see you soon. God bless.